You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Welcome one and all to another live broadcast of TPC. I'm your host, James Edwards, this Saturday evening, August the 26th. It is a hot August night, as I believe uh, Brother Neil Diamond might have put it in Brother Love's Traveling Salvation Show. My God, has it been hot, and we have had some hot times in the Old South throughout the course of this blistering summer, Keith Alexander, whether it be behind a podium, uh, a book signing on the air, or wherever else we've been. We are certainly riding the crest of a wave right now as we return to the studio for the first time in three weeks. Right. I, I did not want to butter you up, but uh, you're absolutely right. You are riding a crest. You are basically, you know, the rock star of the movement at this present time. And, you know, take it for all it's, uh, you know, <laughs> take it for all you can with this. You know, it's, it's working well. And, of course, the show is, you know, getting a lot of good publicity through all of this. All of your speaking engagements throughout all of the country, uh, you that they've allowed you to develop into a first-rate orator, let me just tell you that. And as a result of that, you know, uh, y- your profile is being raised, which is raising the pro- profile of this show. So, you know, we're on a roll right now well. because you're on a roll, and let's, uh, let's keep it up, man. I, and I want to congratulate you for that. That's You've been... Working on this speech, basically, it started with countercurrents and some other places. You get and it, see, the more you do it, the more you polish it, the more you burnish it. Everything is getting, uh, you know, everything's coming up roses, like that old song from the uh, 1930s or something. From no, it was from the 50s. Mame, the uh, uh, Broadway show, Mame. You know, anti-mame and whatnot. Everything's coming up roses. That's what it's happening. Was that another yet. Angela Lamb's uh, Barry vehicle? Ah, Ethel Merman, I think, was uh, the one. Well, play. maybe she was in one of the productions. Uh, well, surely she must. Similar, similar surely she should have been. Angela Lansbury. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, she frequently gets uh, name dropped on this program. Angela for Lansbury, reason. Betty Davis, Ethel no, Merman—they right. both, both all played a very similar character, uh, stock <laughs> character, in all of their uh, productions. Well, Keith, listen, uh, I, I want to tell you um, that really means a lot what you said, especially coming from you, a guy who's been in the trenches with me for all of these years with this radio program, and uh, without whom uh, the success wouldn't have been the same. And it's, of course, not a success that we take vaingloriously everything we do we want to be serving a cause greater than ourselves this movement but uh, but there has been i mean one of the things i think we're known for here is our proven ability over the years uh we'll soon be able to say over the decades uh, to skillfully develop a cooperative network of partnerships with others in our ranks and to work in cooperation uh, with so many different people, whether we're promoting them on the radio program or working with them in different endeavors outside of the studio, it's just um, a great amount of mutual respect that comes and, and goes. It flows both ways uh, from uh, us to them, and and uh, thankfully. Well, I don't think I ever told you us. this before, but Bill Rowland and I basically intentionally set out to mentor you early on. We got together and said, you know, 
uh, James has something that we don't. All right, have, you're embarrassing me now. On. This is and, embarrassing. And it's really, but you know, it was really good because, you know, uh, it's like Jared said. He said he saw you what at the very beginning. Said this guy has promise and whatnot. Well, we thought the same thing, and you know, everything that you know, it worked out. We got you on the right reading list. Things like this. Uh, got the vocabulary going for you. Everything has worked out. But, you know, we're, we're like your. Uh, 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 you know, Henry Higgins or something. We we were the ones that worked on that, and you have just taken it and run with it, and if anything, you've exceeded everybody's expectations. So I wanted to take this opportunity to (laughs) congratulate you for all that. Dal, I appreciate it. Uh, That's enough glad-handing and backslapping of each other. Uh, But I, I will tell you this. It has been a very fun back-to-back weeks on the road meeting so many people who appreciate the program as so many people who, who come to this program uh, and listen every week uh, the speech at Amrin and again last week at the Southern Cultural Center conference was seemingly very well received I believe uh, there has been a publication in France uh, that has asked for a transcription of it so they can publish it in 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 french so meeting a lot of folks in tennessee and alabama uh and by the way i know and i regret i wish you could have been there last week uh, but uh, we can't be at all places at all times last week's show uh, was just really something I, i gotta say again jared taylor and brad griffin teaming up as they did on the program it was really one you just have a feel for i think they're all good you have a feel when some are better than others last week was one of those shows yeah and in particular, Brad Griffin really did a great job, and of course, Jared did. Uh, and to hear Jared uh, talk well. so much about the South, you know, for three hours, having Jared for three hours as a co-host, obviously going to be a unique program. Well, I was glad to filled hear your all seat, that. filled your seat for one night only. That's right. Well, that on the other hand, he did a great job. Brad really is, you know, he's coming into his own as well, uh, you know, and I'm so glad that, you know, he has a unfortunate propensity every once in a while to get into a funk and not want to uh, create uh, uh, articles and things like that. But we've got to break him out of that because he's come back. He had a little lull like that in the early summer. Every soldier's got to have a furlough. Right. But now he's come back, and, I mean, he's he's, uh, taking the ball, and he's, uh, he's leading the team in a lot of ways. He's great, uh, and he was, of course, on very briefly during the live remote broadcast at the American Renaissance Conference two weeks ago, but last week was just something else entirely. Really nice to have both of those guys on for a deep dive, including everyone else who came on the, that particular program, uh, John Friend, John Hill, uh, Mike Wharton, Ed Boardwine, Ruth Ann Holly, and, and others. Uh, that was just a, a really great time in Alabama. But, yes, I mean, as we slip back into our familiar chairs here in the broadcast studio first time in three weeks we are not doing a remote it does seem as though our work here is operating at a very high level uh and uh, it's uh, we've taken another step forward this summer uh, i think we have very much uh, plugged in and connected and you know i tell you keith i mean we've been talking about it we talked about it in the speech we've been talking about it on the radio more and more people are certainly coming uh, to our destination and to our conclusions on the issues and it makes me all the more proud this is one thing that i am proud about we were here before the dawn we were here when it was very very difficult and now more and more people are doing it and it's getting easier it's not easy but it is getting easier and we were here before any of it well like that old song we were country before country was cool well (laughs) we did that but 
by getting out to all of these various conferences uh, that you've been attending and speaking at, our profile is being raised. And like you said, more and more people, just people that before would be Tea Party people or Glenn Beck followers or whatnot, they're coming to our side. And when they're coming to our side, they're hearing you because you're at all of these conferences and whatnot. It's really working. It's uh, it's, it's like uh, you know we're gaining momentum as time. Passes. Nothing, nothing given. Uh, everything earned, and we've of course worked very hard for a very long time. And it's um, anyway, it's just very, it's very rewarding uh, to be part of of this collective and to just play our role. That that's that's what we're doing here. We're playing our role. Well, that being said, uh, and now that we're back here, uh, we've got a lot coming for you tonight. I'm going to detail. Oh, dear friends and listeners, do not miss the second hour. I went to Selma, Alabama with Jared Taylor, and we toured it for a full day last Sunday. I'll tell you all about it in the second hour. But first, a story tailor-made for Keith Alexander next. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while, at the same time, exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T dot com. MericaFirst.com. This is a battle a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact. TheEpicTimes.com Well, welcome back, everybody. James Edwards, Keith Alexander. In the second hour, stay tuned. I'm going to take you behind the scenes on what I saw and what we experienced uh, in Selma, Alabama last Sunday. It was really an impromptu trip. I'll give you all of the details in the second hour. But first, Keith, our reputation, uh, reputation precedes us in more ways than I think even we can appreciate. Uh, it was actually in the comment section of the official review of the American Renaissance Conference that was written and published by the American Renaissance staff to amren.com where I saw this particular comment. Now, 
to be fair, you and I had already talked about discussing this particular story on the show our first week back in the studio, obviously because of the remote broadcast. We couldn't do it in either of the last two shows. So we had already had this one tucked away. Uh, but there are a couple of people on the Amrin comment thread who write, Speaking of James Edwards, turns out the whole matter with that movie, The Blind Side, may have been all made up. Michael Orr is coming out and spilling the beans, though I can't discount that he might be lying out of sour grapes. Michael Orr and James Edwards went to the same high school in Memphis. Indeed, we did. I was actually out of there uh, a little bit before he arrived. It was Briarcrest Christian School. I went there from pre-kindergarten all the way through high school, and then the last couple of years we homeschooled. But I spent a lot of years there, a lot of great memories there on the basketball team there. My dad was a coach. We undefeated. What a championship. I got to work that in, you understand. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, this is uh, a big movie, The Blind Side, in 2009. And again, being in Memphis, being from Memphis, born and raised, Keith Alexander, this is his hometown, uh, lived here, worked here all of his life. So, of course, we know this story quite well. So we're going to let Keith, he's actually come in with a case file. He came in here with a case file, and he's going to do a deep dive, really sink his teeth into this delicious story that was tailor-made for him and for this program. First, Keith, give him a little bit of backgrounder. Who is Michael Orr and who are Sean and Leanne Tui? And then we'll get into uh, the unpleasantness. Michael Orr was one of 13 children of a crack-addicted mother who the state took over control of his uh, parenting and then lost track of him. He was wandering the streets of Memphis and whatnot, and he was picked out by Sean Tui and his wife who saw in him the potential for a big football player. Okay? And these are guilty white liberal Memphis socialites. Well, what they are, if you really want to know what they are, they're connivers and grifters. They wanted, they're basically athletic boosters, uh, athletic supporters, no pun intended. And uh, uh, <clears throat> what they did was they wanted Briarcrest Christian School, which I think when it was originally found, it was called Briarcrest Baptist School. That is correct. Uh, back in 1974, it was one of the so-called infamous segregation academies that propped, cropped up just as busing hit Memphis. We were very lucky in Memphis that we had an administration primarily by, uh, and give the devil his due, a Jewish mayor we had named Henry Loeb who was totally assimilated, and he was a Jew that I wish that we could have unleashed on the whole world because he was Jewish, had an Ivy League education, he went to Brown University, but he was six foot six and looked and sounded like John Wayne. And he fought Brown versus Board of Education tooth and nail. He was the mayor when Martin Luther King was assassinated in Memphis. And that's a, we, we could have a whole show on that someday if you want to, James. But nonetheless, um, because he fought it, I went to school in without busing and thank goodness for that you know michael andrew grissom one of our friends who wrote southern by the grace of god didn't have that experience he grew up in tulsa oklahoma which in the late 50s had a liberal mayor who basically green lighted all the changes that the left wanted in public education including right. total Keith. segregation 
And because of that, his educational experience was horrible. Mine was great because our government fought it. Back you, then. you you caught a jackrabbit in your peripheral vision and started chasing it into the woods. We <laughs> get back. I mean, no, that, that's that's good background. But but Sean and Leanne Tui, Michael Orr. The current lawsuit is making national news. We know these people uh, through reputation and, of course, at different points in our lives, I went to the same school. But uh, go ahead. Okay. Well, what happened was this. Uh, Sean Tui sent his children to Briarcrest. We'll just call it Briarcrest, not Briarcrest Baptist or Christian or whatnot. It was originally a Southern Baptist segregation academy. Uh, that there was there, there was no... They didn't even they, of course, when it was first mentioned, the original president, the original administrator said, yeah, of course, it's because of segregation that we're chartering this this private school. And, and, and everybody knew it. Now they say, you know, they're, of course, they pledged fealty to diversity. But it was originally. And that's another thing. Look at the Southern Baptist. It was a Southern Baptist school. It was a, it was a church school. And there was no doubt about Southern Baptists being pro-Southern and pro-white back then, because that's who their membership was. Anyway, we're, we're, now I'm chasing rabbits. But, Michael, this is a big story. We're trying to give you a little bit of background well, we've got enough time to go yeah, keep going, keep going. so what's but, going on well what happened was they found michael orr and thought and sean tui wanted to boost the athletic prospects of briarcrest baptist school or briarcrest christian school uh he did not like the fact that they were losing to memphis university school and christian brothers uh which were two big private schools in town that had been there longer. They did not start in 1974. They started well before that. And because of that, he was looking for a way to boost the stock of Briarcrest. And he had played basketball at Ole Miss back in the early 80s. In fact, I think he still holds the SEC record for most assists in a uh, career. And his wife, the odious Leanne Tui, was a cheerleader at Ole Miss. That's right, and that's where they met. And they hate Ole Miss, by the way. I mean, that's another thing. I mean, as, as once they came into fame, once Hollywood decided to make a movie uh, out of the Michael Orr story, 2009's The Blind Side, then it was all, well, of course, and maybe they always felt this way, but it, certainly any public statement I've ever read, very much uh, derogatory to their ancestors uh it denigrates the old miss traditions the confederate heritage they, of old miss they were for changing the flag for colonel rebel the flag, colonel uh, rebel uh changing uh the fight song getting rid of colonel rebel all of this stuff they basically went with the liberal flow they saw which way the winds were blowing at and that's that what time they did. at okay. that time so they were uh, and that's exactly what they did with the michael Orr situation with michael they saw somebody that could help the team, but there were problems. One of the big problems was the TSSAA, the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association, which is like the high school equivalent in Tennessee to the NCAA in college. TSSAA had passed a rule at the urging of black high school coaches who did not want their best players being cherry-picked out of their uh, schools and going to these private schools that had better education and money and stuff like this. So they got the TSSAA to pass a rule, a law in effect, that said that if you gave a kid a scholarship to go to a private school, unless the money was being paid by his parents or a close relative like a rich uncle or a grandfather or something, they could certainly go to the school, but they could not play basketball or football. 
Well, Sean Tui was an alpha male. That's exactly why he wanted Michael Orr at Briarcrest. So he found a way, he said, to get around it, which was be, I'm going to adopt the kid, which means that I'm going to be um, his parent so I can pay his tuition. Well, that's what everybody believed had happened until this lawsuit hit back on August the 14th of 2021, and we found out for the first time that he did not indeed adopt Michael Orr. Instead, he had a conservatorship set up for him. Now, he, Tui said that was because a lawyer told him that you couldn't adopt a kid over 18 or something like this. And, well, he wasn't 18 at the time he was yeah, going to Briarcrest at high school. Yeah, so, uh, again, that, that uh, rationale gets blown out of the water. But nonetheless, that's what he did. But he got... Michael, where he could play basketball and football at Briarcrest, he had a good career at that place. And uh, because of his size and his relative speed at that size, he was the target of a lot of Division One recruiting. Okay, uh, oh, of course, Lee Ann and Sean, and he was living with them. Michael Orr was living with them in their home at the time. Uh, I'm sure they were not averse to him going to Ole Miss. So he wound up at Which Ole Miss. Which was the alma mater of both of the of the parents. Right. Well. Or the adults. The, at this point, the NCAA got interested in the case and sent a young black woman investigator to interview the Tuies. What happened in that interview? Stay tuned and we'll be glad to tell you after these words from our sponsors. Listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Corey Myers. GOP presidential candidates are disagreeing over a national abortion ban. During last night's debate, former Vice President Mike Pence said he'd push for a federal 15 week ban on abortion if elected. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley argued that. 70% of the American people support legislation but to 70% ban abortion of the after Senate a baby is capable not. of... House Republicans may soon be investigating the Georgia DA who launched a criminal probe against former President Donald Trump. CNN reporting the House Judiciary Committee expected to open a congressional investigation into Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis. It could happen as soon as today. The fate of the so-called Texas floating border wall now in the hands of a federal judge. A federal judge on Tuesday rejected the Texas argument that the buoy border in the Rio Grande was needed to repel an invasion and said partisan politics will not affect his final ruling. Texas Governor Greg Abbott has said he plans to take the fight to the Supreme Court. Wagner Group soldiers have issued a chilling warning after their leader died in a plane crash yesterday. 
Yevgeny Prigozhin and nine others were killed when the mercenary leader's private jet crashed on a flight from Moscow to St. Petersburg. In a video on social media, three of his soldiers said, we are starting, wait for us. The trial of the man accused of killing four Idaho college students is being delayed indefinitely. Yesterday, Brian Koberger waived his right to a speedy trial. His court date originally scheduled for October 2nd. However, his legal team said they were not prepared to present their case by that deadline. This is USA News. Jim Gaffigan here with some more straight talk. Let's take a moment to appreciate our sweet children, loving grandparents, and eternal soulmates. Now let's use them to save money on wireless. Because with the Straight Talk Silver Plan, you get four lines for just $25 a month with unlimited data and no contracts. So add those human pawns, I mean loved ones, and save money. Thanks, kids. They're finally worth it. Straight Talk Wireless, available at Walmart. Get four lines on Silver Unlimited for $25 per line per month, plus taxes and fees. For data management practices and additional terms, visit straighttalk.com. Of course I use Mr. Clean Magic Eraser to clean tough messes off my stovetop and bathtub. But then I discovered I can also use it to easily clean my patio furniture and even my shoes. I'm hooked! And when wipes won't cut it, I use Magic Eraser Sheets. They're thin and flexible erasers, perfect for everyday messes, like gunk on my counters and sinks. They really are magical. The reviews are in. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser and Sheets make cleaning look easy. And welcome back, everybody. Again, this story would have been newsworthy and something that we would have covered on this program just because of the racial animus and the fact that it is a national news story right now. But the fact that it uh, had its genesis in Memphis at the same school that I attended and had so many great memories at in the 80s and 90s. It uh, it was really just something that had to be covered in a deep dive sort of uh, way. So, again, we're talking about the story of uh, Sean and Leanne Tui and the black football player Michael Orr, who went on to have a career in the NFL. And the uh, this story was the subject of the 2009 movie The Blind Side, which starred Sandra Bullock as Leanne Tui and Tim McGraw, the country singer, as... Sean, Sean Tui, going back to the Amrin comments, normally uh, the commenter writes, I'd avoid talking about Hollywood movies like The Plague, but I vividly remember when that film came out and one of the white secretaries in my office told me how she cried after seeing it. Out of curiosity, I watched it on cable and it was the white savior complex porn. So I'm not surprised that there was a heavy dose of creative license that was used. Uh, so that, I guess, brings us up to the question, Keith, why now are the Tuies and Michael Orr at odds? Or why is Michael Orr at odds with the Tuies? Because here's the thing. I mean, yes, the Tuies are very bad people, best I can tell. Not just because they denigrate the South, they denigrate our symbols, they denigrate our heroes, they denigrate our customs and folkways. Um, that would be bad enough. That would put them on our contemptible list no matter what. But it's not even, it doesn't even appear as though uh, they have the typical complex that you see from elite, wealthy, white families that adopt blacks as a means to either virtue signal or, or whatever. It looks as though they don't even have that sincerity. It looks as though they just did it to get in on, uh, for selfish reasons, and uh, it, it, 
Well, we'll get to the complaints that Michael Orr has, but it's very much like the Colin Kaepernick situation. No matter how you slice it, and for whatever their motivations, they did take this guy in off the street. They put him in a very elite, snobby, white family. He lived in the lap of luxury for those last couple of years of high school. He went on to Ole Miss and had a very lucrative NFL career. Would it have happened without the Tuies? Probably not. Uh, and so, but, you know, where's the, as Buchanan said, we always hear the, the grievances. What about the gratitude? Very much like Colin Kaepernick, who was um, taken in and raised in a very nice middle class. And in this case, you know, it seems as though that family, the Kaepernick family, was a, a nice middle class Midwestern family. Uh, but he hates them. He hates them and or hates these people. I mean, you just can't do enough to get on the right side, can you? Well, that's really the trouble with somebody like Colin Kaepernick, who is basically a mulatto. He had a one white parent and one black parent, and they always wind up identifying with the black parent. But in this case, the Tuies were basically out-of-control boosters for their schools, Briarcrest and Ole Miss. Well, I where I left us before the break was – the NCAA was sending a investigator, who happened to be a young black woman, to interview the Tuies, and she was suspicious of the whole thing. Well, the interview started. It wasn't going so well. At least that's the understanding I have. And then the Tuies pivoted. They said, no, you've got it all wrong. We're not out-of-control boosters. We're latter-day civil rights heroes, and we're doing this just because we want to help a young black man in need and whatnot. And then the whole thing just took off. Uh, Tui comes from New Orleans. He went to Newman High School, which is the same high school that the Mannings went to, Peyton and Eli, and their older brother Cooper. And uh, he played basketball there rather than football. But another graduate of that school is Michael Lewis, uh, the guy that wrote Moneyball and some other interesting, really pretty good novels. Well, Tui got him involved in it, so everything started to go. Then he writes a book called The Blind Side about the whole episode. And the Tui certainly didn't mind leaning into their newfound celebrity when that was a major motion picture. Oh yeah, they were they were catching bouquets, and you know they were they were the toast of the town. Everybody loved it, like you said. Uh, white women, credulous white women, were uh, reduced to tears at this heartrending story about you know how they uh, swooped down and picked this up. I remember uh, this kid out of the ghetto. I remember Sandra Bullock saying she's very dubious about them at first, but then she met them and she was totally sold on it. I wonder if she's totally sold well, on I it. Well, I mean, now. Sandra. I mean, yeah, Sandra Bullock is a Jewish, Jewish feminist. Uh, yeah, Jewish Hollywood. Feminist, Hollywood. We, we won't take her opinion yeah, too yeah, far. That, but, that, it didn't take much. But to even convert then, her. even then, Keith, when they were riding at the height of their celebrity. There was already a little bit of discontent because Michael Orr didn't like the fact that this movie portrayed him to have a low IQ. Well, everything was all right until the movie hit. And then all this celebrity hit, and he didn't like the way he was portrayed. Was he, was he portrayed inaccurately, in your estimation? Well... Yes, but uh, the inaccuracy was that he was even dumber than he was portrayed to be. <laughs> okay, <laughs> He graduated from uh, Briarcrest, and I hear tell, I haven't really confirmed this, but that he was last in his class, okay? He was so dumb that he couldn't even qualify as 
an athlete at Ole Miss, and that's that's saying something there, okay? <laughs> Purportedly. So, I, I wouldn't doubt it because I tell you, Briarcrest is a tough school but anyway, and, and an expensive one. And this is a, a thing. This is not a joke, but I always, I always say it. Anytime any of uh, my friends would graduate from Briarcrest, the parents would celebrate because they got a big tuition discount only having to pay for college. Yeah, that's right. That's the way I felt, too, sending my kids to Indiana. Yeah. But anyway, but, but so he didn't like the fact that he was portrayed as this low IQ because he said it actually sort of hurt, hurt his stock at NFL because it, allegedly teams didn't believe he was smart enough to, to, to understand plays and coverages and defenses and schemes and things. But it, basically, the Tuies are the big hero. They got this dumb black kid, and because of them and only because of them uh, he was able to go on and have an NFL career well there's another story behind how he actually qualified to get into Ole Miss okay now these are just stories we're not confirming or denying yeah, right. we're just telling but the story was this now, where did you hear this story from I've heard it from various people that uh here in you town think are reliable sources of, uh, right we're not yeah. going to reveal our sources we're gonna, this is like uh deep throat well here's the situation Michael of had a problem qualifying to get into Ole Miss, even as an athlete. So, does Ole Miss turn down anybody? Well, I didn't think they did until I heard <laughs> this story. But here, here's what happened. Uh, what happened was that Sean got busy. He's an alpha male. He does not like to hear the word no. He doesn't like to be frustrated in his plan. So he found out that there was a program sponsored by Brigham Young University where you could send uh, uh, enroll a kid and replace those pesky D's and F's on his high school record with A's and B's you take a two week course two weeks and then you have to submit a paper an essay and if you pass then you can get you know an A, B or whatever you get maybe a C or something like that but you replace one of those bad uh, uh marks on your academic record like a d or an f well to do that though to qualify for that program you had to be adhd well that was no problem for the twoies they were able to find a compliant psychologist that confirmed yes indeed michael has well, adhd and that's not hard to do every doctor is so eager to i say every i mean that's a little bit of hyperbole but not much so many doctors are so eager to diagnose anyone with AHAD. They used to call it ADD just because they want to get you hooked on Retlin or any of these drugs. I mean, this is just how the, the well, big pharma well, works. Well, so yeah, he, maybe, big pharma maybe he wants them to do that. Maybe they, he or had it, but even if he didn't, I mean, everybody, if you asked a doctor to give you an ADD or a whatever they call it now, prescription, you got it. Well, then... They uh, uh, used to just call boys having, yeah, having energy, but now they don't do that. They want well, to drug you. Well, what happened was he got a retired Memphis school teacher to be the tutor for Michael. This is the role that was played by Kathy Bates of Memphis, by the way. Great actress. Yeah. I will. I will say I do like her as an actress. Uh, and uh, she was. Uh, she played this tutor. Well, Evil Tongues report that she actually wrote the essays for Michael and uh, not Kathy Bates, but not, not Kathy Bates, <laughs> but the actual tutor that she was portraying. Well, we're speculating. But of course, this of, is just things you hear on the, on the mean streets yeah, of Memphis. Yeah, right. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Michael 
gets into Ole Miss, and once he gets there, they're not going to let him go. The next thing you know, he's Dean's List or something over there. In <laughs> fact, he mentions that in his lawsuit. Now, was Hugh Freeze the coach at Ole Miss by the time he made it there? Yeah. See, and, now, that was another one of my old teachers. This was actually the high school football coach at Briarcrest. So there was definitely a lot of stuff going on in the pipeline there, the Memphis to Oxford pipeline. Well, look, Freeze caught the Tui pipeline or uh, caught the wave and, uh, you know, uh, did well by being involved in it. When he went to uh, Briarcrest, he was a girls basketball or volleyball coach. Then he became the SC, one of the top programs in the SEC yeah, men's football yeah, and, or uh, football coach. And he really got his kickoff in the Michael Orr era. That's when he was All a right. football coach. Now, we are going to get to the unpleasantness of this, what this lawsuit alleges and why there's been a great falling out between Michael Orr and the two Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present day church. Rather, it is for the end time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books, bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, then you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Rebel Mountain by Kurt Eggers, a brand new reprint of the infamous You Gentiles by Marie Samuel, and now the treatise of a January 6th prisoner in the American regime. There is something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the complete catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to check out antelopehillpublishing.com. Not a fairy tale ending for this Hollywood story, the story of the blind side. Uh, it it reminds me of the old thing that apart. we heard when I was a child. Oh, what a tangled web you weave when first you <laughs> practice to deceive, right? So here we are. Now, according to both sides of this, when this lawsuit, and Keith has it in a file folder here. Did you go down to the courthouse and print that out? Where'd you get that from? Uh, I have some inside contacts, and I got a uh, copy. <laughs> it's in probate court in Memphis. The judge is Kathy Gomes. Well, let me just, before you give us the details, so basically uh, what I, I appears to be the case is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the Tui family received 
about $7.5 million for the rights to use their story as the subject of that movie, The Blind Side. And Michael Orr is now suing them. Now, why so many years after the fact, uh, Michael Orr earned over $34 million from his contracts as a player in the National Football League. Did he blow all of that? Why now, after 14 years after the movie, is he coming back for uh, his his cut, a cut he says he didn't receive from uh, the payments made for the rights to the family story? And I believe what I read in some of these news reports were, it basically sounds like a shakedown or extortion. He's, he's what, it, what has been alleged was that he told them he would not file this lawsuit if they gave him X amount of money, and I think they balked or whatever. Apparently, I mean, they, I guess they didn't do it because well, they filed the lawsuit. Well, it would never end, uh, you know, in all, you know, uh, candor. If they started paying him money, it would never end. He would be coming back and back. It's like reparations, okay? Reparations, if you start paying reparations, you'll never stop paying reparations. But, here's the, but why, is, why is he so upset? Because here's the thing. Say what you will about them. They are terrible people by all accounts. I couldn't think less of them. But what is his problem with it? They they, they took him in. He lived in a, a very elite home, went to the most elite private prep school in, in Memphis, or at least one of the top three, I would say, along with MUS and Christian Brothers, and got into the NFL. Why, why is he so upset now, 14 years later? Why does he want another piece of the action? Why has he allowed this to terminate i mean i think again it goes back to the way he was portrayed in the movie and then they're sort of the heroes and he's just the the, the well, black man who uh was taken for a ride i think it's a little deeper and more widespread than that for example why do you think we have all these concussion protocols in the nfl now to try to get money to these ex-football players who like michael have blown their money okay their career is over. They were living high on the hog while the money was coming in. I think $34 million would be enough to set you up for life. He's coming back for more. You give me $1 million and I guarantee you won't hear from me again. <laughs> <laughs> so what, um, what, what is the complaint here? Uh, and, and, and I think he had some sort of a big problem with the fact that he was technically under their conservatorship instead of their adopted Well, look, it just gets, umbrella. Down, it, it gets down to sheer greed. What's, okay? he, what's he saying the problem is? Well, he says the problem is that they misled him. He thought he had been adopted. Instead, he was just the So they owe him $7 million because he wasn't technically adopted. Well, I think what the real bone of contention is, he thinks they made a hat full on the movie and he didn't get any of it. Well, what's he suing for? It was actually, they, it's purportedly they made $7.5 million off the movie. I don't know if that's right. That's in one report. I think he's suing for, I think I read in one article he's suing for $15 million. That's like double what they made. That doesn't seem very fair. Well, <laughs> let me. Let me see what it says here. Uh, we need your clerk in here to turn those yeah, pages. Right. Well, it doesn't matter what the exact number is. Just Let's just cut back to well, the well, nuts quite and bolts. Well, frankly, I, I don't know that it's uh, mentioned, but basically what the real reason is is that the money stopped flowing in, and like a lot of ex-NFL people, they're pissed about that. He is. He's recently married. I wouldn't be surprised if his new wife had something to do with it, too. But he's in his late 30s. He's been out of the league, the National Football League now, for several years. And apparently the money, I would expect. $34 million. <laughs> well, I'd heard 37 but, you know, whatever it is. Do you think he, that's enough for any single family well, to live off of I for a while? Or? I think I could make do. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless... 
if he's like most former black NFL players, he's it's blown through him like you know what through a goose. <laughs> so uh, it's gone. Definitely not and unprecedented it, for that to happen. Meanwhile, uh, what Sean Tui did, he was the franchise holder for all the Taco Bell franchises in the Memphis area. He sold it recently. I've heard. Two hundred twenty million. I've heard two hundred sixteen million. Whatever it is, these he's guys doing just well. get more and more despicable. He's hawking that poison, hawking hatred of the South, being a not even a true. He's not even a sincere virtue signaling white. He's a conniving one, well, an see, a greedy one. He was portraying himself as being a civil rights hero, helping this Michael Orr. But Michael Orr helped them a lot more than they helped Orr. Well, if you get down to it, yeah, right. Well, it look. He was There's a lot be- of people from the projects that end up in the NFL without without white people adopting them and sending them to their favorite look, schools. The, the Tuies were going to be rich regardless of Michael. Well, they were already not. rich. And furthermore, there was another guy named Greg Hardy that they were instrumental in. And he actually played for the Dallas Cowboys. That was they, they were trying to make this a little he, like he went a cottage, to Ole Miss as well, a cottage industry. Uh, he went to Ole Miss as well, and he had a short but storied career. Is probably the best pass rusher in the NFL there for several years. I think he got booted from the league for domestic violence or something like that uh, later on. But, see, Michael didn't have any of those problems. Uh, none of that came out. And he had a longer career, but he uh, got a concussion, I think, and then uh, he was out of the NFL I had the feeling that the money got thin if it didn't run out altogether, and Maybe he was that. expecting the Tuies as his parents to help him out. Maybe they'll get Sandra Bullock to reprise her role in a sequel that gives us the rest <laughs> of the story and uh, <laughs> how it all fell apart. But, but I think another thing that people need to know is that when all of this exploded, and we would have covered this a week or two ago had it not been, again, for these remote broadcasts, but... All the, the reaction that I saw, there was actually one article that went around and, and collected comments from black Twitter users and black social media users in the Memphis area. And all of them from waitresses at different restaurants where the Tuies would frequent. Anybody that I saw that was quoted in this report that had any interaction with the Tuies whatsoever, black people I'm talking about. And if there's one thing they're known for, it's for uh, what? That high profile of... Uh, uh boosting of themselves based on well i know but i mean but the 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 movie tried to portray them as as you said these modern day civil rights you know white people just you know doing better than their ancestors and all of that but uh all of the black people that were quoted in the story said how how wretched they were how how rude they were how they wouldn't want to serve snobby they were how snobby they wouldn't leave tips they were they were overly demanding now again i'll take that with a grain of salt most times but i could actually First impressions are really a good indicator of something, and I've never, ever, ever thought that these people were anything other than jumped-up white trash. Well, they and ba- self-hating, white-hating partisans. Well, the thing is, first of all, it tells you something about black people. It also tells you something about white people. This whole thing is a parable. The black people are never satisfied with what white people do for them. You can give them the best uh, kickoff in life that you possibly could, and when the money runs out, which it inevitably does, they're coming back and they'll call you everything. Colin Kaepernick, Michael Orr, these are a dime a dozen stories. They also resent the fact that white people make money off of a sport that they dominate, like professional football or professional basketball. They still, you know, they're always complaining we don't have enough black coaches, we don't have enough black owners, all of this, yada, 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 okay? So it doesn't matter what you do. The more you do for them, the more they want. 
You know, that's what happens. That's the black part of it. The white part of it is no matter what you do for them, you will still be uh, eventually cast into the role of a villain. That's what's happened to the uh, Tuies. And quite frankly, uh, I'm like you. If they were really civil rights heroes, they would have been giving scholarships to four foot eleven black guys. Not guys. <laughs> okay, that's the thing, right? It wasn't just that they took in. That is a great point, Keith. It wasn't just that they took in the most downtrodden, uh, downtrodden, crack-addled, you know, baby, raised him from cradle to birth. They adopted or became the conservators, we won't quibble, over a guy that was ready to step into the starting lineup of a major high school program and then go on to a major SEC program and then go on to the NFL. That's who they decided to adopt. Now, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Or, right. or, or conserve. Well, well, what a coincidence, as they say. You know, that they That's just a great been... point. Yeah, they need to, if they want to do it right, they need to go and they need to just go down to Orange Mound and just find these babies that are dying because of their parents' drug use and malnourishment, they need to adopt some of those that aren't going to give them a Hollywood movie. And furthermore, if they weren't race traders, they could have found some white working class or lower middle class kids that needed some help going to a nice private school or to college. You know, because of affirmative action, basically scholarships for kids that are white working class and lower middle class kids have dried up. That's why so many people in our movement have given up on college because, and they want to get into the, what I call the dirty fingernail uh, occupations, like being a plumber or being an electrician <laughs> or things like this, because they've given up on going you know, to college and uh, pursuing upward social mobility. That's not there for white kids. They could have been giving scholarships to white kids as well, but no, they're not going to do that. They're totally focused on giving money to kids that – have potential to be um, uh, in the NFL or the NBA. You know, it's uh, what do they call it. Uh, it, it was a uh, that they just felt like everything that they were doing was helping them as boosting as big boosters. And of course, being a big booster and bringing good uh, prospects into a program like Ole Miss or any SEC program, that's going to get you some attention. There is a Sean Tui building on the campus there. The basketball team's practice facility was sponsored by the Tui. So the Tui's were riding the crest. They, they were living the good life. Uh, they were the big boosters. And furthermore, they did it uh, and became heroes just because the kids that they were promoting were black. All right, put on your legal analyst cap the music's playing how does this play out i mean because this is going to continue to be a story and this is i mean of course lawsuits can take years to resolve but what do you see well if they get a jury trial the twoies are toast on the other hand <laughs> they're going to get a jury of their peers and in memphis that's going to be majority black and they ain't siding with these uh, with these white guys on the other hand if it's a bench trial they've got a chance so we'll find out what happens but on the other hand the whole thing has bit them in the posture. Who do you want to win? I tell you, I'm, I'm rooting for Michael Orr all the way. I, I wouldn't be, quite frankly, either <laughs> way it comes out, I'm, I'm going to be. No matter winning. who wins, no matter who loses, we win type of thing. Right, yeah, no, yeah. this is delicious. This is a story. Yeah, this is something that people, you know, people need to be punished for doing this. This is race traders versus uh, avaricious black guy. Uh, let the games begin. <laughs> hey, folks, I went to Selma, Alabama. I spent a whole day there with Jared Taylor, and I'm going to tell you about it in the next.